Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hardcore Gamer Show, a show for gamers made by gamers. I'm your hardcore host, Vincent Hand. It's Saturday, April 30th, and with me today are Nathan Ludall. Otherwise known as the artist, formerly known as Nathan. What's up, Vince? Uh, not much, dog. I was going to give you a little moniker, but I just I wanted to see the real you this time, you know? And you got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, with us, as always, is Michael, supremely unique and also very uh, 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 cool. I don't know. Uh, Koval, how are you doing, Michael? I'm good, Vincent. Thank you. I'm actually going by Nathan Ludall, the artist formerly known as Michael Koval these days. Mm, all right. So we have Nathan, the artist formerly known as Nathan Ludall Ludall, and Michael, the artist or sorry michael nathan ludall the artist formerly known as michael koval <laughs> how much of it. that is gonna get cut we do not know uh but we've got a really wonderful show today listeners friends it's a very exciting episode because this is our monthly game club episode for the 1999 classic genmue each month, we choose a game, gather our thoughts and yours, and discuss it at length in our Game Club episode at the end of each and every month. You can get in on the conversation by joining us on Discord, tweeting, tweeting to us at the HGC show, or sending us an email to hgcgameclub at gmail.com. This is going to be a very exciting episode, but before we can even get into the Game Club, I gotta know, Michael, what's been on your hardcore playlist? Yes, thank you, Vincent. Uh, I've been playing a couple of games this month. Uh, I am continuing my journey in Persona 5 Royal. Um, I am dozens of hours in at this point. Uh, the PlayStation 5 says that I'm 90 hours in, uh, but I have restarted a couple of times. So I've just completed, I think, uh, Palace number 5. Uh, so I'm actually making some good progress, but... Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Persona 5. We uh, specifically have talked about that game so much. Um, but I will just say I'm having a blast and am continually impressed by the royal version of this game. Um, and uh, it, it makes me think about uh, a Persona 6 and if I should just wait on Persona 6 and play the re-release of whatever that version will be, because it seems like the second version of the game is really the best version of the game to be playing. I think uh, statistically, like, yeah, they uh, add more content, they beef up some components, they make the game play a lot better. But I gotta say, as someone who played Persona 5 and then played Persona 5 Royal, like playing for Persona 5 Royal was such a great boon. Uh, and I don't know that I would have like enjoyed it half as much if I hadn't already had that Persona 6 experience or Persona 5 experience. So I, I think getting the story and getting the meat out of like whatever the next mainline game is and then going back to play, I don't know. I guess my question for you, Michael, is why would you want to play less Persona? Yeah, you know, I think you're right, actually, because uh, <laughs> as soon as you started talking about that, I I was thinking, yeah, you know, part of what part of what makes Royal Five Royal so cool is like certain moments where I'm like, oh, that's different than how it happened in the original release, mm -hmm. and these different moments where I'm like, oh. This is way better than the original release. And I loved the original release. 
Um, yeah, I gotta say that opening movie in Persona Five, Vanilla Persona Five, way better than the opening movie in Persona Five Royal. If there was a mod, if there was a setting I could pick at the beginning of the game to only play the Persona Five movie instead of the Royal one, I would pick it every single time. Nothing beats Wake Up, Get Up, Get Out <laughs> There. Um, but I've been having a great time with that. Um, the other game, though, that I do want to mention and talk a little bit about uh, is a little indie game called Weird West. Uh, this is from developer Wolf Eye Studios, published by Devolver Digital. And Wolf Eye Studios is a 20-person team uh, made up of, uh, well, founded by some former Arcane producers, uh, and they had experience working on... Uh, the Dishonored series and Prey. And so this new game that they've made from their new studio, Weird West, um, takes certain cues uh, from from those series and that their experience. Um, Weird West is sort of a top-down um, action role-playing game uh, with um, uh, some of those immersive sim elements that uh, I mentioned. And uh, this one was really cool. I, f- I finished the whole thing. Um, you're playing as a few different characters in sort of a anthology uh, sort of setup. Um, each character's got like their own story, and they're in like this Wild West setting uh, that has some of these sort of supernatural elements like uh, uh, magic and uh, monsters. Um, so it's got a really interesting mix up of kind of genres there. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. It allows you to play uh, stealthy in a lot of situations, which I really appreciate. I really like trying to do that. Uh, and it's got a quick save and quick load feature as well, which really um, uh, makes makes that sort of gameplay uh, fluid and something that you can do without, you know, wasting as much time yeah it's um, sort of necessary for an, an immersive sim where it's like i wonder what happens if i shoot this barrel at the top of a like building and it turns out that barrel explodes and destroys the whole town and you're like well i guess i shouldn't have done that so I'll quickly <laughs> reload yeah and uh you know there it sets you up for a few scenarios like that like um you can do some cool stuff like kicking over barrels or things like that. And so maybe you, you might be able to, you know, kick down an oil barrel onto some unsuspecting enemies and like light them ablaze pretty quick. Um, but also you might kick the barrel like a little bit wrong and it goes flying off in the wrong direction or something. Um, but there, there's a lot of cool, you know, little immersive sim elements like that, that, that give their, that make it so there's a lot of interactivity in the environments. You know, you can climb, uh, you can climb through windows and such, and then you can uh, carry people's bodies around if you've knocked them out or, or killed them. So you can collect bounties um, and kind of explore the the different main missions of the different characters. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that one. I definitely think it's worth checking out. It's on Game Pass, so if you've got... Uh, you know, if you've already, if you're already a subscriber, no reason to not jump in there. For sure. Uh, I played a little bit of that game as well. I found the uh, aiming and like shooting for the game to be a little uh, strenuous for me specifically. Um, that could just be all on myself. But um, I, I had a, a interesting time playing 
Uh, Michael, how big do your parties end up getting? I know you can uh, recruit some uh, cow folk to come along around you, but uh, is this sort of like a fallout situation where you only have one companion, or do you have a whole party of bandits that help you do your cowboy deeds? I want to say that you, you can get at least two. You might be able to get up to three companions. Um, I didn't try myself because uh, to get the full party, at least, because I was playing, uh, you know, very stealthily most of the time. And I don't think your uh, companions um, are normally the thing that give you away. I, I don't think they can be detected while you're sneaking and undetected, which is a nice uh, feature if you are trying to do that. But uh, I just found them getting in the way visually a little bit sometimes when I was trying to do my full sneaks. Um, but something that is really cool uh, that you can do is once you have completed the sort of main tracked mission for one of your characters, um, you can go and recruit your old character uh, as one of your posse members when you, once you start playing as the new character. And that's really cool because they've got the same equipment um, still, so you can carry on uh, your good equipment, and if you want, uh, bring that cool character that you were just playing as along and continue bringing them on your adventure uh, just as a party member now. That's a very compelling twist to an immersive sim. That's, uh, oh, that's really interesting. I think I'm going to have to put a little bit more time into Weird West. And uh, and about the aiming, I I would agree that it's it's a little finicky on console, uh, just because you know it's this top down, and you're trying to make these precision shots with your stick. So mm -hmm. I did find it to be a little bit better of an experience on PC. Uh, but there's also like a time slowdown mechanic that I think really it slows down the time for you to be able to choose. Uh, like a different ability to use but actually if you just hold the hold the ability menu to slow down time you can continue aiming uh and shooting still while you're in there so i was using that as kind of a workaround on console to help me aim um <laughs> by slowing down time kind of in this un unintended way like i don't think that you're actually supposed to use it like that you know you're supposed to just go in and choose an ability uh, but it slows down time while you're in that menu, and I would use that to kind of kind of aim on console. But that's that's one aspect that it that isn't exactly a perfect translation from this game that I think really was made to be played on PC. Cheesy, I love it. Well, thank you for telling us about Weird Less, <laughs> Weird West, <laughs> and uh, keeping with the theme of W's, Nathan. I know you got one. Yeah, I do. I've got kind of another weird odd series that i just recently delved into it's the wario land series um so just like a lot of people right now uh, i am panic buying a lot of the 3ds eShop at the moment and something that i overlooked that was kind of prominent on both the 3ds and the wii u was the virtual boy stuff so a lot of the older games uh, you could like from the game boy color and like um, you know, specifically or the SNES on the Wii U, you could play on the 3DS. And one series that I've kind of just I've overlooked for so long because it was most prominently a handheld series was the Wireland series. Um, it's weird. It's really weird. The first uh, Wireland game is not even called Wireland. It's like Super Mario Land Three, and then they tagged up, tacked on Wireland because, yeah, I don't know. 
And it's just a really weird platformer. The music's like bops for each of them. And you don't like do like, it's not like time based or like, you know, you gotta go fast like the Mario games are. You are doing like a lot of weird stuff. So for the first like wireland game, you're just like it's it's more traditional platformer in the sense you are getting from point A to point B. But in like later games like Wireland Two, Wireland Three, you're doing weird like stuff, and it's almost like Metroidvania, like how you're like navigating and you're tr- trying to get all the coins and treasure, but you're also like doing specific things in each level. And when that happens, you divert paths and do um, go to different levels than you would if you did like a different action in this specific level, which I was really impressed by for like an old Game Boy Color game. So that's been cool. I I really dig the, these games. Now, are these like, uh, when you say diverging paths, are these like the secret exits in uh, Super Mario World or are they more like a, um, like a uh, separate path you can take kind of like in uh, Pokemon Snap where you uh, throw the, uh, Apple at the electrodes and they open up a path for you to go down. It's it's a little bit like that, the latter. It's not as like deep as like Super Mario World, I guess, in the sense that you're like going branching off into whole new areas. Um you're it it's just like weird little things. So like at the very beginning of Wireland 2, I think, you are asleep in your bed and there's an alarm going off. And it, you can you know, do the thing that you do in most video games and just get up and run out. And, like, that's a path of its own. Or you can just skip your alarm altogether and sleep through it. And that opens up its own, like, little path as well to get new treasure. And, and like, it's fucking weird. It's bizarre. Like, just, like, the, some of the stuff, some boss fights that you encounter in this. And, like, you know, Wario is just a disgusting character who, you know, it's just farting everywhere and like, you know, his nose and everything. It's you're, it, I don't know, man. It's, it's a trip. I, <laughs> is, uh, is playing as Wario, uh, distinct. Does he have different abilities or is it, or is it mostly like theme and feeling that, uh, that, and you know, music and everything that, that sort of makes it, uh, separate and, and, and its own thing. He does play kind of distinctly. Like, so he has like his own like little ground pound thing that he, you know, jumps on his ass and like goes through the floor or like he has like a bulldoze technique. He can go through walls and collect treasure. Um, and you get like some stuff later on, like, like abilities to fly and other thing. Um, so he does play differently than if you're like playing Mario or, um, green Louis, uh, green Mario. And, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like its own flavor altogether of platformer that like, I wish, was more prominent these days because the last Wario Land game was for the Wii back in like 2008. And I was like, man, this would be such a like nice companion piece to like the Super Mario Bros. series that's currently going. I I I think that's uh, uh, another. Yeah, I'm with you, Nathan. Like, where is Wario and Waluigi? Like, I feel like they could have more of their own adventures. You know, the kind of uh story of the villain has become like a really popular thing and uh it's like weird why haven't they returned to those those characters that i think there is a lot of love for yeah i'd I'd also say that um while being an amazing arthurian legend um the green mario was one of my favorite films from the last year (laughs) as well starring uh, dev patel as green mario yo if dev patel played luigi 
man. I was actually talking about this with Megan, complete tangent, but I was talking about with Megan, like what a like dramatic version of like the Mario film would be and like, who would you cast? And I decided that Mario would be played by Henry Cavill and Luigi would be played by Killian Murphy. So it would work weirdly yeah. enough. But now I'm thinking about Dev Patel as Luigi. Here's basically, 10, here's $10 million. Make it happen. Yeah. Basically I'm thinking about Luigi. Um, what else have you been playing, Nathan? What else do you have on your hardcore playlist? Yeah, so I, I recently picked up Nintendo's most recent release, which is the Switch Sports, which is kind of the newest iteration of like the Nintendo Wii Sports um, of yesteryear. And I got the opportunity to play it in person with a few friends. Uh, it's cool. I mean, like, it's it's kind of bare bones. So, like, I don't know. I'm so, like, 50-50 with this game. So, very much like the old uh, Wii Sports game is that, you know, there's like a set um, amount of games, like kind of like mini games almost that you could play, like bowling or uh, volleyball or badminton. And, you know, the fun of Wii Sports was, you know, using the motion controls, but with your friends. And like, you know, it's just, you're kind of playing through it and just seeing like the expressions and the ridiculous motions that like your friends are making it was just like kind of part of the charm of it. Like, so everybody's like screaming and yelling and you're looking like, you know, a fool, just like waggling back and forth with it, trying to hit the dang racket. And it, it's, yeah, that charm is still there. You know, I, I, it's really funny just going through it and playing through, especially, you know, substances are evolved. And then like, there's like the other half of it where there's only six, I think sports currently in it. Like, and they're all decent. Like I, I think there's like a good amount of fun to be in had there. But it was, you know, I think by like hour two, once we got to it, it was like, okay, we're just kind of, you know, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely, I could see this being a drip feed project for Nintendo. They're gonna add like one or two sports every like three to four months or something. And Wii Sports was a free game too. Was it, came it with your Wii? It was oh, bundled. Yeah. It was bundled. Yes. Yeah. My question was like, how how do you think about or perceive this game as one that you did have to like buy for the console? It's not uh, just a pack in, um, you know, because uh, like you mentioned, there's only there was like six games, and they're really kind of like just fun little mini games. Um, do you think this is like worth the full purchase price? So currently on, I bought the physical and it's like 50 bucks, but it comes with the strap and it comes with the game cartridge and everything. And then you can buy it on the eShop for 40 bucks. As it stands, it's, I think it's worth it depending on like what your like love for Wii Sports is. You know, if you enjoy that like fun of like playing with other people and like kind of doing that and you get the opportunity to do that like semi often, then like it's worth it. The online's like pretty decent too. Like you and one other person can go online and play a lot of these sports against other people, which is a lot of fun. Hmm. But your mileage will vary based on like how much you enjoy the motion controls of it, like you mm-hmm. know, going bowling or doing like the badminton or volleyball. And like it while it's good, I don't know if it like is as like much of a novelty as it was for the Wii. My last question is which will be updated first? Switch Sports 
or Mario Party Superstars? Well, I've not really an answer, but just a thought that I was kind of uh, having is like, I wonder if this will be something that they add to with, um, you know, their Nintendo Switch Online expansion uh, tier, um, because we've already seen them, you know, uh, started out with the Animal Crossing DLC, now including uh, the Mario Kart 8 tracks in that. I wonder if this is something that they see the potential of like adding, you know, more games to later. Um, it seems like Nintendo's coming around a little bit more and a little bit more to that sort of idea. Um, I, and I wonder if that's something that they've considered as like, you know, continue adding value to that expansion uh, past here of uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Probably. I mean, like I, this, I could either see them doing free updates for this, like they've done for like other games or more than likely they will probably do it, make it a tier into the switch online to make it somewhat more worth it. It sounds like switch sports will be updated first. Ripperoni in pizza, Mario party superstars. You are a fun game. Um, speaking of fun games, uh, it is Golden Week in Japan, which means that it is a perfect time to give you all my Persona 4 Golden update. Um, I am continuing to play this game. I do not know how far I'm in. I think I'm closing in on uh, the last uh, dozen hours of the main story. I should be getting into the golden content here soon enough. Um, a perfect time for the internet to start talking about uh, Persona 4 Golden Ports onto the Switch or PS4. Um, uh, is this is this game a lot shorter than uh, Persona 5, or have you just actually dove into this game much more than you indicated you were previously? I mean, it's probably the latter, and I think the other thing, too, is because I'm on my computer, y'all don't see when I'm, like, online playing it, so you you probably are like, oh, like, Vincent's offline, like, or something, I don't know. Basically, if you don't see my uh, Sony uh, handle online, it is usually because I'm playing Persona, Um but yeah, I have for sure dove into this. I have gotten into the groove. I've started min-maxing. Um, I'm about to max out my social stats. I think I only have one left that I need to max out. Um, and I have just collected the final party member of the game. Um, but, you know, same deal. When you collect the final party member, that's not the end of the story. That is like the precursor to the end of the story. And then, of course, I will have that golden content to glom onto as well. But I got to say, there are some uh, some really big surprises in this game uh, as far as the social links go. Um, there's uh, uh, some great integration of what I have to assume is like the golden character social link uh, into the rest of the game. Basically, whenever you like have a like hangout or like a social link upgrade with this person uh usually another party member will like tag along and be like oh hey so good to see you like yada 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 all this stuff and like for their social link they're known by the party uh which i think will be just a very uh slick way of being like oh yeah aren't we concerned about x and y like later in the game uh but also i just like 
I think some of the uh, tropes of these social links, like some of these like character um, inspirations, are fairly lacking um, for like compared to someone like Ryuji from Persona Five. I would say that Ryuji's social link is um, amazing. It's uh, it's a little heartbreaking. That's boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ryuji is my favorite himbo of all time, hands down. Um, and uh, to to try to compare him to someone like Yosuke, man, like I don't like Yosuke, and y'all will have <laughs> to like wait to play the game to see why I don't like Yosuke. But uh, I've I've let some of my uh, thoughts go somewhere. I won't say where, but um, you can check there. Uh, I'm loving Persona 4 Golden. It's a great mystery. I kind of have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know how this thing is going to resolve. That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I just laughed because uh, I'm pretty sure on, on our last episode at the beginning of this month, that was the game that you were like, yeah, we'll see how <laughs> how much I play. And you're like, yeah, I've still been playing it. Uh, I'm closing in on the last dozen hours or so. <laughs> Um, that's really that's really cool to hear that uh, it is good though and it is worth kind of going back even after so much having so much experience with five that you know there's a, like a worthwhile story and 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 cool things still happening in four um, so I, I'm it's, it, it it has definitely made me more interested in in returning and picking that one up. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning of my journey of playing every single Persona game. Dude, I freaking wish that Vitas weren't through the roof right now because I would totally pick up a Vita just to play this game on the go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with like emulation and like uh, software scarcity and literally what is Atlas doing um, not putting this game on other uh, consoles. Uh, but I think. Uh, Perhaps. Maybe it'll be in the uh, new PlayStation Plus tiers. Maybe that'll be one of the games. Maybe I think it'll probably we'll be like the PS2 version of it is the problem. Like it's yeah, yeah, that will golden. that will be un unplayable. That will be not the deal. So, um, <laughs> uh, but that's not the only thing I've been playing with. I actually have a, a bit of uh, new new uh, to talk about, um, ladies and gentlemen. I have received finally. After years of waiting, after years of the announcement of production of COVID-19, it is finally here. That is right. I got the little yellow brick with a crank, the Playdate. I got my Playdate from Panic. It is their first console. It is a little indie console. Uh, It is a D-pad with two buttons and a crank with a tiny, tiny screen. and I love this thing. It's so cool. I like it. It feels like I have a piece of tech from the future, but if the future was predicted in the year like 1982, um, and that is entirely my aesthetic. So it, this thing is great. It right now has two games from the first season of games: uh, Whitewater Wipeout and Casual Birder. Uh, Casual Birder is a fun little uh, like bird photography. RPG uh, kind of deal, and uh, wa- uh, Whitewater Wipeout is a uh, California games like surf simulator, uh, which is fun, which is cool. It's not 100% my style, uh, but I've uh, played around with it and I've really enjoyed myself. But 
the game I've been getting the most mileage out of Playdate is a side-loaded game, uh, a game that I got from the internet. It's called uh, Sketch Solve Save, or maybe Solve Sketch Save. I'll have to go to the menu and have a look. Sketch Share Solve, that's what it's called. Um, uh, made by RDK. Uh, this game is amazing uh, because it's Picross. That's it. It's Picross. I've been playing <laughs> Picross on my playdate, and I'm addicted. Um, Vince, I'm real. I'm really happy that uh, your playdate finally came in. You've been raving about this thing pretty much since you got it. Uh, what if uh, I don't? I don't know how many total games you've you've tried out on it, but what's kind of like the coolest use of the crank that? Uh, you've gotten to experience in a game so far because that's that's it's really like most unique feature right yeah i mean it it is uh currently the only market on the console or a uh, console on the market with a crank um so it, it it does stand out in a lot of ways uh but i i think for me whitewater wipeout is for sure like uh this is a use of the crank you uh navigate yourself basically like up uh a wave uh, use the crank to sort of position yourself up and down uh, on the wave. And when you like finally take off, you can like spin, spin, spin the crank to make yourself do like 360s and flips and stuff. And uh, I think that is probably the most like kinetic use of it. It is like a standout for sure. Like this is like the demo to show how the crank works. But I've really enjoyed how uh, Casual Birder uses it sort of interchangeably. Um, when you're walking through the world, the crank becomes a sort of uh, inventory selector. You pull out the crank and you spin it to uh, select like an inventory item. You can close the crank to keep it on that item. But when you have it selected in your inventory, now when you're interacting people with people, you're basically interacting with them with that like inventory item in your hand. So you can get some special reactions. You can get some people uh, asking you about it. But when you're taking a photo, of birds on your phone. Uh, you need to use the crank to focus and also use the D-pad to like find the image of the bird, like keep them in frame. Uh, Cause you know, they're birds, they don't sit still all the time. Um, and you need to like, every bird has like a different like focal length that you need to worry about depending on like their placement on the screen. And I just think it's a really neat uh, tactile use of like, a game that wouldn't necessarily need the crank to be fun, but still like uses the crank in a fun way. Yeah, I that sounds really cool. Actually, I, I really like hearing about uh, that game using the crank in sort of multiple different contextual ways, like um, just in like implementing cranking into you know multiple facets of the game. That that sounds really cool. Yeah. So, um, and with a breadth of uh, creator tools, including a full open SDK and a uh, browser game creation toolkit called Pulp, uh, the Playdate is primed to be a potential indie monster. Uh, I'm looking forward. I have a few gripes. I won't get into them right now, but I have a few things that I think that will be improved on the Playdate in the future. Um, so I think right now, uh, I've been excited about this thing since they announced it back in like 2019 or something. So this is a, uh, a true boon to finally have it in my hand and, uh, be able to play Picross when I should be working. I am, uh, I'm holding out for the Playdate 2, the one that has, uh, two cranks. 
two two cranks and a backlight <laughs> is what this thing needs. Hey all, and thanks for checking out another episode of the Hardcore Gamer Show. We love bringing this show to you, and we love hearing your feedback. You can chat with us on our Discord, tweeting to us at the HGZ Show on Twitter, or sending us an email at hgzgameclub at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts about games releasing, game club picks, and hey, maybe if you suggest a game club pick, maybe we'll play it. Who knows? It's all no man's land, baby. 2022. All right. And now it is time for our game club discussion of the much beloved, uh, very old game Shenmue. Folks, this game released on December 29th, 1999. It was developed by Sega's AM2 team. Uh, they were the team that created Hang On, a game that you can play in the arcades of Shenmue. Uh, and it was published by Sega. It is an action-adventure game, uh, also sort of an interactive cinema game uh, that takes place in Japan. You play as a Ryo Hazuki, and uh, you run around your neighborhood trying to discover the secrets behind your father's mysterious murder and the men who came to your quiet little town. Uh, originally developed as a Virtua Fighter RPG titled The Legend of Akira, Shinmu follows Ryo Hazuki as he sets off to avenge his father's murder at the hands of Lan Di. As Ryo collects clues and leads, he speaks with the residents of his town and surrounding areas, and the player can go about their days basically however they like, talking to people or playing games at the arcade, trying out different challenges, collecting a bunch of capsule toys. It's all up for you to decide. Uh, and it was sort of uh, lauded as this like crazy cult hit that no game at the time was doing it quite like this. And uh, I got to ask y'all just right off the top, like, do you think that these graphics were revolutionary for 1999? Nathan, I'll toss it to you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do actually. So I know this is like technically a remaster and they did touch up some stuff, but for the mm. most part, the polygonal, um, uh, art style has remained intact. So even just thinking about like how this game looks and like just how the audio track plays out with both the music and the, uh, either the sub or dub, uh, or the dubbing of it. Uh, yeah, I think this is really cool, especially for 1999. Running originally on a Dreamcast, by the way. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you bring up the pause menu, you can still see the Dreamcast controller in there for one of the options, which is really, really cool that they kept that in there. But um, yeah, this especially for 99, this looks and sounds really good. And I'm like, just like kind of pleasantly surprised by not just the character models and the like, uh, the town and the buildings, but as well as like some of the lighting effects that take place, which is really cool. It's really uh, wonderful seeing uh, some of these close-ups. A lot of times you'll be doing like small things or picking things out and uh, you'll see a hand or you'll uh, get a little zoom in on a character. And, you know, some of those textures are a little funny, but uh, seeing Rio's hand as he's dialing a phone number is uh, pretty incredible. And, um, I, I think the game personally looks wonderful. I played a little bit of Shenmue 2 and they had a uh, 
um, a slider to turn on the remastered uh, visuals versus the original. And uh, I played with that a few times. And I mean, it, it looks nearly identical. I think what you're getting is a resolution bump, not really a, uh, a polygon bump. But uh, Michael, what do you think about the initial presentation of this game? Do you think this heralds that sort of classic status for 99? Yeah, uh, you can definitely tell uh, it's it's an early uh, 3D sort of game, but it is it is uh, pretty impressive. And I think one of the things that they were probably trying to highlight is the visuals. You know, you can do things like I think you were kind of alluding to, like picking up objects. Uh, Rio can pick up a few different things to investigate them and kind of you know turn it around in his hand to get a close up look. Um, and I think this was probably really cool, especially uh, in 99. I, I, I'm I, sure this was like, you know, one of the first and only games doing that type of stuff uh, to sort of highlight and showcase uh, the, these big 3D visuals. Um, so, you know, it, it takes a second to put yourself back in that mindset, especially coming off of, of course, uh, you know, our, our modern PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S games. But um, if you are, are able to get yourself in that mindset, you know, I'm almost surprised um, that people don't talk about this game even more uh, because I think it is very early, but I think it is very impressive uh, in that sense. And um, to speak about the openness, too, um, you know, obviously not nearly quite as open as uh, as something of of like you know a big city of like grand theft auto 3 but you really do have a lot of freedom uh to explore you know the couple different neighborhoods and just kind of go wherever you like and talk to whoever you like um you know there's multiple buildings that you can like walk straight into the interiors of um i think just about every person is unique and has a unique voice actor uh or dialogue so um yeah especially like i said kind of trying to get yourself in that mindset of of uh when this was i think there's a lot of a lot to be really impressed by i agree i i think this game is sort of a technical marvel for what it does and you know i'm not seeing those original loading times but um, I, I have a feeling that players were like, wow, I can go talk to this like girl because she's here every day. I can check up on this cat and I can also uh, go out and um, talk to people and hear what they say at different points of the day or in different places in the game. Like it, it's incredible to me to think that there was a community living inside of this like video game that was sort of just like unrecognized you know i don't really know that i hear a lot of people talking about shenmue um nowadays i think maybe everyone sees like yakuza as sort of an inevitability but i think you know there would probably be no yakuza game without uh shenmue uh opening that door doesn't help that shenmue 3 was kind of a bummer <laughs> It's very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult. And that's why I wanted to uh, play a little bit of a Shenmue 2 to sort of uh, get the context. I'm like, what went wrong? What? <laughs> How did we get here? Um, so I will report back if I end up continuing Shenmue 2 uh, on and on. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, that day to day in Shenmue. Uh, I believe the story starts. Um, uh, right before Christmas or right before um, December. Um, 
I think it's in November. Yeah, I think that's when the game starts. Uh, And you have a full year to uh, complete the story of a game. Um, And the game days themselves uh, last uh, pretty pretty short. Sometimes the getting to the right hour of the day can take a while, but uh, playing through a day in Shenmue doesn't take too long. And uh, you have a year to complete uh, the mystery. Uh, but with the inclusion of some like day night cycles and some like NPCs only appearing at certain times a day, like Michael, how did you how did you deal with this time system? Well, uh, this is where you know I have a couple of problems because um, I did end up spending you know some amount of times kind of just standing around sometimes because uh, I did feel like the game gives you more than enough time uh, to figure out where you need to go and to do some side activities along the way and then still be waiting. Um, But, you know, there are a few things that you can do, uh, like going to the arcade or going to the convenience store, uh, buying a couple of items, uh, adding to your gotcha collection, which are these little, you know, little collectible figurines. Um, But... Uh, yeah, so I would, you know, walk between the different neighborhoods. When when you leave your home after you've been to all of the neighborhoods, you have an option to sort of fast travel to the far neighborhood. Um, that's almost never worth it uh, because you might have to just end up waiting there anyway. So, so I'd walk all the way there um, and check in on NPCs maybe that I had run into, uh, see if they've got anything different going on, check on uh, the cat, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. multiple times um buy buy it some milk from the convenience store and bring that back um uh, you know there are a few little things uh around to do um i liked uh checking in on you know certain npcs that i felt like had a relationship with rio um it'd be fun to talk to them of course most of his replies are like sure <laughs> i see uh yeah so they're they're not you know too complex you don't have a lot of you don't have like a dialogue tree or anything like that um but they do they do sort of evolve over the days um so i do stuff like that but there was times where i uh just knew that i needed to be somewhere like at 2 p.m and i'm like okay i walked here i talked to everybody that i wanted to talk to i went to the store and it's 10 30. <laughs> yeah uh, getting getting to that uh, specific moment uh, where you really need to interact with someone can be uh, a bit of a waiting game. Uh, I think it uh, helps build a bit of anticipation. But before we continue, uh, I did want to note, Michael, you played this game in English? Yes, I did play this in English. Um, with the English dub. Yeah, yeah, the English, English voiceovers. And uh, Nathan, you didn't. I did not. I played it with the Japanese dub. How would you... Uh, did you play at all with uh, the English dub, or um, d- did you start the game with the Japanese voice on? I started it with the English dub, and then like after like five minutes, I switched over to the Japanese dub, because this is a very clearly Japanese man in a Japanese world, so I was like, okay, let's uh, let's try to get a little more immersed, I guess. I understand your point. I also just have to say, how could you have done that? The English dub is amazing. It's so funny. It's it's incredible. 
the compression so, on these so audio goofy. files. Yeah. And the compression on everyone's voices is so bad. <laughs> it, it's pretty bad. I, um, yeah, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen maybe some more efforts uh, for the remaster, uh, even though, it, uh, yeah, some some efforts to make those voices uh, sound a little crisper would have been would have been great. See, the thing is, so that that was the reason. So I love corny bad dubs for a lot of stuff and i was originally thinking of just going through with this but after like you know we played through yakuza zero and that was entirely japanese voice uh, dub i was just like thinking to myself as like okay i'm just gonna try to get as much into this world as possible and like that's why i switched over to japanese dub and like it's still compressed to all hell like there's no <laughs> doubt about it. it's still like sounds like kind of bad and like you'll notice too the remaster title is used loosely with this game. It's really like, like you said, like a definite, uh, uh, definition bump because, like, even like for a lot of, like transitions when you're going in and out of buildings, it'll switch to the four by three like black bars on the sides. You know, when you're taking your shoes on and off, so mm-hmm. it's very loosely like titled remaster. But I don't know, like with the Japanese like compressed uh, audio tracks, it really like. I think it did more for me, like transforming me back to like 1980 something Japan, you know? And like, I was like, okay, this just feels like an old movie. Like, and like, I don't know. It was cool. And uh, did that make your ability to pass time a little more uh, palatable, Nathan? How did, how did you pass your time in this game? So kind of similar to like uh, Michael's sentiment, I did like, you know, do a couple things where i would like go talk to people or like check in on like some characters especially like you know the cat or like reoccurring like storylines and like um and like you know i'd also go like kill off time in the sega arcade which had a full range of like playable games which was really really cool i love it when video games do that there's a bunch of like actual video games you could play within it um so that was really cool other than that, yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to wait around for certain things, especially it's like, all right, he's going to meet you here at 2 p.m. It's like, you know, 10 o'clock. And like, I swear it feels like real time at times when you're just standing there. It's like, OK, how much time has actually passed? Uh, it's 11. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I there was a good amount of meandering and like, you know, you could fast travel or, or not, but like sometimes I would just put the controller down and like go on Twitter or something just to wait until the opportunity came up. Another uh, thing that I did, yeah, was that uh, I think looking at your watch makes time go like slightly faster. Um, I was going to but- say slower. <laughs> No, it goes it goes a little faster, but uh, it's a great time to uh, check Twitter. It's also a great time to listen to that beautiful soundtrack. I gotta say, the music in this game is top notch. Um, everything from the action sequences to um, <laughs> there's this like awful little golem character that runs around every once in a while. His name is Chai, um, and uh, whenever uh, he comes on you hear this like really high pitch like wind flute um like yeah (laughs) and it's always accompanied by his gross little laugh he he sounds 
I don't know. I I saved the clip of like his first introduction because it's so hilarious. Like comes out of nowhere. Uh, Rio is having a conversation with another character that's like totally normal, and then you know the camera pans up and you see this character on top of a roof. You're like, what is going on? And it's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's terrifying it's uh it's very scary um yeah i i found myself uh spending a lot of my time playing the dart mini game because i really like that uh that's one of the things that i like to do is play dart mini games in uh video games i mean if this thing had a fishing something that you could do if this had a fishing mini game uh, that would have that would have done game it over right there man yeah so the surprisingly missing uh fishing minigame i know um i wonder if the other shenmues make that same mistake um uh but yes the dart minigame's great i played a lot of hang on uh which is fun it's a really uh really interesting very fun um arcade game i could imagine like playing that in the arcade and really leaning with the bike and getting into it uh, there's also a, a game in the arcade called like QTE Quest or something, which is really funny. It's like a I don't know, like a Zelda thing, but literally it's just like a quick time event that you can play. Like how fast are you with a quick time event? Um, so I would say the game doesn't leave you with a ton to do in between time, but I think the game also uh, counts on you um, not knowing like who to talk to for every single event creating that sort of space to anticipate a time to meet up and like creating anxiety within the player to be like what will happen when i come here you know odds are a quick time event um but i i think it's uh used very very well yeah Um, and like um you know if uh if you don't know where to go Rio will like ask people you can stop like almost any person and be like hey I'm looking for this do you know where that is and uh you know they I think they want you to find your way by talking to people a lot um and especially like later when you get to the docks or something you can go up to a security guard and they will literally like point you in the right direction do you uh, know where the sailors hang out What well, like and kind of like I guess we're transitioning into like just the locale aspect of it is that something like you know you notice early on there is no like mini map to pull up in your menu or anything so there's two ways to like navigate and it's one is that there are like various maps placed throughout like the city and like the area or two you just run around and like just figure it out on your own. At first, I was, like, a little miffed by this, because I was like, okay, this is going to be a time waster. But really, it makes you learn not just the locations, but where, like, people are, and really gets you into this, like, neighborhood, which I really praised this game for, praise this game for, you know, I, you, you, there's a certain charm that comes across by getting to know all these people and, like, these various buildings, and, like, this is, like, by like you know i'm I'm assuming by the end of it you're just you feel like you're living in this like little japanese like 80s neighborhood i i feel you nathan i think it's something that's a little bit lost on like you know modern giant open worlds where 
it literally is a giant open world like there's no way you remember every street corner and uh where every single thing is in something like assassin's creed odyssey or whatever right but uh there there did used to be these experiences like shenmue where you know open world sure maybe you could loosely apply that uh title to it but it's like they're it's small enough that you know i, I kind of know the streets and where where everything is in this game uh still right now in my brain yeah it's uh it's really wonderful um how they uh get you used to being a community member um i i wish that there was more opportunity to interact with individuals in your community um but before i can get to that question we have to talk about the combat this was originally supposed to be a virtua fighter rpg um it was sort of biting that style of a virtua fighter um but they paired it to these uh pretty uh I'd say infrequent combat encounters, like true combat encounters, because you can go through a quick time event where like Rio whips ass with his eyes closed kind of deal. Um, but when you're actually in the fights, it's a lot different. So um, Nathan, I want to ask you, because I feel like when we played Yakuza, you were someone who also had a little uh, myth about the fighting style. Um, I wanted to just ask you straight out, like, how important was learning inputs? So I did, like, I know, like, you could pull up the move list and, like, you can, like, learn various moves um, from actually, like, local people. There's, like, an old man you can go talk to and he'll teach you, like, a very specific input to do, like, a dodge attack. And I thought that was cool. And, like, you can get involved in it. But between, like, the infrequency of the fights themselves and just like, you know, I'm more interested in the detective side of this than I am the fighter side of this. I was like, okay, I'm just going to like dodge and punch, you know? So, I mean, it, it's serviceable, right? Like it's like, it's quick and the fights are over pretty fast, like, which I did enjoy. And there's not as much soft locking as there was with Yakuza. So I did appreciate that aspect of it, but it's, it's there. <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think, Michael? Did you have any issues learning moves, or were you more of a button masher to get through the combat encounters? Yeah, so, I mean, the combat, like Nathan said, uh, you know, it's there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the free battles, yeah, the ones that are, like, an actual fight with you putting in the inputs uh, with like multiple people around you. I did not enjoy those uh, terribly too much. They felt, you know, pretty loose. Uh, and even trying to, you know, put yourself in that mindset when it's just not controlling like super well. Um, you know, it's not that much fun. And I can see, you know, that. It probably was a you know pretty cool thing to be happening at the time because uh, you do have these free battles with like multiple combatants. Uh, but yeah, it's a little bit loose, and sometimes you can get a little turned around. And even uh, if you're trying to put in you know the right uh, button combinations for you, some of the some of the like special moves that you've learned, sometimes it's you know not happening uh, exactly like you're you're wanting it to. 
Um, so for a lot of those, I kind of end up, you know, just spamming kick and punch as, <laughs> as much as I can and maybe run away if I'm getting too overwhelmed. But that, that w- the combat wasn't something that I was, uh, you know, too blown away by in this game. I, I almost wished for, you know, this could have just been another quick time event sometimes where like I'd rather see Rio p- pull off like a cool cinematic move that I <laughs> only had to press a press a quick time button for. And gamers, now it is time for a special segment called Hardcore Tips from Vince. Um and uh my my tips are for this game uh when you uh I'll be sure to make it like extra loud when I say hardcore tips of Vince. Um but uh, when you're fighting Chai, uh, kick a lot because he's low to the ground. Uh, he he's a gremlin boy. He runs on all fours. Just kick a bunch, you know. Like I don't know. Just just kick a bunch. He's just kick a ground. bunch. Just kick a bunch. He's low to the ground. Uh, and then my other tip would be uh, I yes, Michael. I had some difficulty executing a lot of those uh, precision special moves as well. Uh, and I know you can map a single move to the L2 button. Um, so you can put a special move on the L2 and fire it off pretty quick if you're interested in doing that. Um, I ended up putting in, I think it's a move you get like pretty late in the game called like the Shadow Step. And basically it is a uh, more accessible dodge. The fact that the dodge button is on triangle is hilarious. Um, it is just an insane place to put a block. <laughs> I just have no idea um, if that was how the uh, Sega Dreamcast was mapped as well, where it was the top button was the dodge. But wow, uh, really, really surprising uh, choice there. Um, I thought the combat, yeah, was fine. It was. Uh, it's really interesting to see this game uh, decentralize combat so much when like combat is in like the entire artifice of the story like the reason like londi like killed your father by like punching him in the gut until all the air came out of his body or something like that i don't know i wasn't paying attention well just like Um, takes you back too because like there's mobsters and like other people that are threatening your life you know if this was like a yakuza game you'd be like all right let's go for it and this yeah you'd fight everything in your path It's like quick time event. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> well, and you do end up like fighting a lot of people in these quick time events because basically anyone who tries to step to you, it's like press X button to sun them, and you do every single time. Um, God damn, I keep thinking pretty about tough that. after all. <laughs> pretty tough. Uh, I keep thinking about that um that soccer video that I posted. <laughs> did did any of you get that event? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm so glad. Me and Megan around the house all the time just go, ow, ow, <laughs> ow. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, check out uh, the HGZ Twitter. I'm going to be yeah, posting some of, some of my favorite clips uh, from this ridiculous game. because. And please retweet my tweet. I'm begging you, Michael. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty hilarious, some of the, some of the actions that happen. So I want to get into uh, pretty quickly, uh, we'll, we'll have a little more time, uh, but I wanted to ask if there was a character either of you would be uh, interested in like seeing more of in this game, like a side character. 
if you were told to go like on a three day side quest with a, a character, who would you be interested in doing that side quest for? I'll start and say, uh, Tom, I have to know what Tom's deal is. I'm obligated by law to try to talk to Tom because he's an American, but he's doing a bad Jamaican accent. I just don't know what's going on with Tom. I have to figure out why he has a roaming hot dog stand. Um, I would spend more time with Fukusan if I could, because Fukusan is like a lovable idiot. Uh, and I just want to hear Ryo say Fukusan <laughs> more when he's like, I don't know, slightly disappointed or annoyed or whatever. He's like, Fukusan. <laughs> I also would choose Fukusan as well. Fukusan's a narc, though. Uh, yeah, he is a little bit of a, a narc uh, to Ryo. But I, I guess if I had a. If if I, I I do think it would be interesting to spend maybe more time with like Nozomi or I think Aerie is the other girl that um I think are like classmates of Rio but like they obviously know him from uh you know events like prior to the start of this game or something um and we don't really actually get to spend a lot of time like figuring out what the levels of those relationships are or any like further development like a little bit i guess but i think it'd be interesting to spend more time with some characters that know rio from before like nozomi is clearly pitched as the love interest and like someone that rio has like a like quote relationship with but there's no opportunity to like go on a date with nozomi you can't really like walk her home from like her flower shop job you never go to class. I guess school is happening around you while you've just like dropped out to investigate your father's murder. But you know, I don't know. Do schools allow that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Rio is still a high school student, but yeah, it's like, where, where is any of those aspects of his life? Like how do, how does any of that fit into the story? I think that would maybe be interesting to have been explored like a little bit more. Um, I would also really like to have a conversation with those like schoolgirls that sound like gooses when you try to talk to them. Get out of my Aim for me, schoolboy. School <laughs> <laughs> Dude, or that little like that little punk who like keeps trying to like bum yen off you to get more gotch bonds. Or uh did you guys have um like there's a I think it's a chef that is like wants a soda from the machine but yeah. doesn't have money did that event happen for you twice yeah yeah because it's like the exact same event <laughs> you get achievement the first time you do it and then after that he's just like stealing money from you yeah i mean what am i gonna do with all this yen you get i think you get more than enough money in in the game and uh, it's really funny there's a point where like you need money for part of the story and instead of like earning it <laughs> rio is just like oh let me check my um let me check my savings account and you're like oh my savings account actually has like fifty thousand yen in it bro good on rio for keeping up with that it's hard to uh get your check and be like i need to put some of this in the savings <laughs> um all right and my last prepared question before we get to our game club vote um 
Sega recently announced the uh, that they're in development or working on four big budget super games uh, that will begin production soon. And I want to know because they've already talked about uh, doing Jet Set Radio or making a new Jet Set Radio, remaking Jet Set Radio, a big budget super game. Do you think Shenmue would be a worthy inclusion? Do you think this game deserves the the next gen remake? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the the especially I don't I can't speak to the second game, but I'm sure it's a similar thing where like I think there's so many like good ideas and stuff that are in these games that are just like kind of limited by their uh, the hardware limitations of the time that have just carried over to modern consoles and. I think with some like qual like not just like a graphical upgrade, but just some quality of life improvements. I think similar to maybe like the Spyro Reignite trilogy or the Crash Bandicoot trilogy. I think these games can really sing in a new um, with like new upgrades, like or like something like similar to like the Yakuza Kiwami stuff that give like nice quality of life stuff uh, improvements. I think definitely these two. Uh, uh, Shamu games deserve that. Are you asking about a potential? Are you asking about a potential remake, or are you like thinking maybe of like a potential Shenmue four or or something like that? I'm talking about a remake. A remake? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. For me, I would probably need there to be like in more added side content because I think a lot of the stuff that you can do in this game you know it's neat little things that i think were probably like really cool when the first uh, like when it first came out like being like i mentioned you know being able to you know zoom in on objects and kind of pick things up to investigate them like oh that's a that's a neat little mechanic but like i don't know that uh you know, if this game was released today and like its selling point is like you can go and pick things up and look at them. It's like, OK, cool. A lot of games do that now. So, uh, you know, I think there is a, a a compelling story here. But one of the things that has, you know, uh, been a been a negative for me is like there's so little that happens sometimes where like a whole day will go by and it's like i had one conversation with a person and they were like all right meet me tomorrow at noon and i'm like let's let's do it now man. <laughs> i'm like we're here now like um so is that like this remake as a part of the big budget super game is going to be like super expanded right it's yeah. going to be essentially a completely new game um, if 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 that is like the sort of pitch and idea, then I think totally because um, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, there are compelling uh, a compelling story, and like Rio could, I can definitely see him being like a cool protagonist to follow, you know. But yeah, I, I'd probably need some more some more content uh, kind of packed in with it. Um. Yeah. I. I'm all for it. I want to see this game remade. I want to see it. Um, I want to see it take place in the exact same time time frame, like the year and everything. I want the arcade to be bigger. Uh, I want the gachapon. I want it to be a little more Japanese too, um, and uh, maybe some uh, new areas. Of course, there would be a new area to explore, right? Uh, 
and I would love to see some cool, interesting things going on at the docks because you know that's where all the bad stuff is happening. So surely they have some cool mini games you could do. Uh, and and I was uh, sorry, just quickly. Uh, I another thought I was kind of thinking along that line was like, I wonder. I kind of wonder like how uh, Shenmue three plays and like how how that came uh how that came out and how it was received and what people were thinking and um because that would probably give us a a little bit of an idea of like uh i don't know i i don't know how that game was received if it was received well like is there you know sort of more side content to be doing in that and i think that would give like a good picture of of maybe where this series could could go and be uh in a more modern sense the consensus I saw online was it was not received well. Oh, well. Yeah, if I, right. if I finish Shenmue 2 and if I finish Shenmue 2, then I'll have to play Shenmue 3. So that's uh, that's where I stand on this. Re- report back to us, Vincent. Sure thing. All right, folks, we are at the end of our discussion for the April Game Club game Shenmue. Now it is time to cast our vote to see if it will be inducted into the Nickelodeon-sponsored Hardcore Gamers Hall of Game, presented by Slime. Michael, you know the drill. All right, uh, check my room, make sure there's no uh, there's no slime tubes that I can identify. You won't um, be able to identify. Them. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a lot that I can appreciate about Shenmue, and uh, I can see where a lot of the coolness is and why it is a cult classic. Um, I cannot give this game my thumbs up vote. Uh, just you know there was too many things that were kind of like why am i spending so much time waiting around and this combat is like not quite hitting it for me um but i do think that i will go and finish i'm i'm very close to the end i haven't quite finished but i will go and finish uh because i i do think there is enough here worth playing but uh just can't get my thumbs up this time ready nathan on to you yeah, this is tough. I think this is like this game is a culmination of a lot of really cool ideas and there's a lot of stuff about it that does hold up well. But between like and I can like forgive the tank controls and like how the weird, you know, zoom in, like look at objects, pick objects up stuff, but like just how much time like you kind of have to waste to get from one point to the other it makes it a really tough game to like play through if you're just playing for the narrative, you know. Um, and so like for that reason, I'm going to have to give this a thumbs down. Amazing. Uh, this game for me is a thumbs up. It is a wonderful, uh, classic adventure. Uh, it does have a lot of pain points to it for sure. Um, I wish there was more to do in combat. I wish there was more to enjoy in combat for real. Um, the forklift job made my brain so smooth. It made me so happy to optimize routes and move quickly and just speed up and slow down perfectly. The forklift races, I was an ace on. I figured that out easily. 
uh, Shenmue just somehow clicked all my buttons. Um, being able to dial phone numbers in manually was a ton of fun. It got to the point where I m- had memorized phone numbers because I was calling people so often. Um, and uh, it made me feel, you know, like a teenager. It made me feel like a teenager in the 80s, like doing my best to try to discover this mystery while also being like, you know, a somehow karate master. Um, but one out of three is not enough to, uh, get this game into the hall of games. So unfortunately we will have to dump the rejection slime on Michael today. Oh my God. (laughs) And, uh, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the hardcore gamers show. We'll be back next month with our game club pick for May, 2022. Make sure you're subscribed. So you never miss an episode and come say hi on Twitter. Nathan is at, I guess, Nathan. Michael is at Sensei underscore Dank. And I am at Hylian underscore Himbo. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Nathan. My name is Vincent Hand, and this has been the Hardcore Gamer Show. Gamers, out. Out.